everyone. Um, as you know, if you've been around here for the last few weeks, whether online or here in the service, um, a team of our brothers and sisters from our family right here at Grace Family Church um, was in the far-flung mountains of Costa Rica, reaching out to two least-reached people groups there. So I'm sure you heard about that. We prayed about that. We gave you updates the last few weeks. Well, this morning, we're welcoming them back. And if you've ever wondered, when you look at that Global Life logo and those six ways in which we live out the Global Life, one of them is welcome. That's what we're doing this morning. We're welcoming them back. Part of that is hearing their testimony and honoring them. But it's also a way of saying thank you. They were um, not just the the vessels that Jesus was using over there. They were also an extension of us as Grace Family Church, going out and doing mission, being a part of global life. So you're going to hear from them in just a minute. That's what all the cheers are about. But real quickly before you do, I just want to also let you know that it was Leo Gutierrez and his wife, Omali, they're the ones that led this team. In fact, they did all the prep work actually from years ago to put this whole thing together. And if you don't know them, they've been a part of Grace Family Church for over 20 years. Leo was on staff for more than 14 years, serving as missions director, global life director. And uh, you're going to be hearing from Leo in just a moment. But before you do, uh, let's take a quick look at this snapshot of their journey and their ministry in Costa Rica. Good morning, Grace Family Church. Well, they say that, uh, you know, one word, uh, one picture is worth a thousand words. So we figured, you know, we, instead of extending a lot of words, uh, we'll show you kind of a little taste of how great our team, our trip was, uh, and uh, without keeping you here until midnight, right? Because <laughs> we could, believe me. Uh, well, I want to, first of all, uh, say thank, thank you to all of you who uh, supported this team. 
through your prayers, and many of you also uh, contributed financially. Uh, so on behalf of the team, I, I want to say thank you. You are as much part of this team as any of us. And, uh, you know, in a few minutes, you'll hear from some of our team members uh, some highlights uh, for what, you know, what, what God did during this trip. But we'd like to spend a few minutes uh, digging into God's word before we do that. So I'm going to ask you to look, uh, to uh, go into uh, Numbers chapter 13 and 14. We're going to kind of look at some verses there and come back in a few minutes to it. In the meantime, let's go ahead and pray. Just hold that place there. Numbers 13 and 14. Uh, Just join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. God, you are great. You are majestic. You are awesome. We ask that this morning you give us, Lord God, you've already done, but continue to give us a glimpse of how great you are, of your goodness, of your amazing grace for for us, Lord God. We pray that you would reveal your greatness through your word and through everyone who's speaking here today, who witnessed your greatness during this trip. And to that end, I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would use me to magnify your name. And that it is in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people say, amen. amen. So <clears throat> the story outlined in Numbers 13 and 14 is a clear example of how God chooses to send people out, right? And to a specific place for a specific period of time to reveal a purpose, and usually that purpose is to reveal something about himself, and in, in, in that process, it, it also reveals something about us as well. So hopefully we'll learn from that. You know the story, you know, when uh, the Israelites were in the wilderness, and they come, they come, they're so close to the promised land. And God tells Moses, it's almost like one last test, okay, one last test of your faith. God tells Moses, I want you to choose one representative from each tribe and send them out to the land. Go ahead and send them out and, and, and see what they would see. And, Joseph, and Moses felt compelled to do this, obviously, uh, to see what they were getting into. So, uh, so he chooses 12 men, 12 spies, as we probably know them, and, uh, you know, to go and sc- scope out the land. Now, two of these guys, uh, Joseph, excuse me, uh, Joshua and Caleb, uh, came back with a very different report, as you know the story goes, right, uh, than the other ten men. Uh, completely different. The other ten guys came back with this report, and this is when we're going to jump into chapter 13. We're going to look at verse 27 and 28 to start. Verse 27, 28. They gave Moses this account. We went to the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's its fruits. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. In other words, it would be impossible for us to take possession of this land. Yes, what a blessing. Wow, it is flowing with milk and honey. Thank you, Lord. But... We really were kind of expecting a turnkey property. I'm sorry, Lord. Like, what happened here? You know, you know uh, we have to do a lot of work to get in there. You know, what happened? Well, you know, this is more than we can handle. This was their attitude. You know, like, this is more than we can handle. We can't do this. Those fortified cities, 20 feet walls, like, you know, not, not in height, but in thickness, 20 feet thick, about 25 to 30 feet tall. And, and speaking of tall... There's some really tall dudes up there, some big giants up there, not only on top, um, you know, overlooking and looking out, but really inside. We can't do this. What are you doing, God? Why, 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 why bring us out of Egypt just to face this? And they started, as you, as you very well know, they started to complain. They started to, like, I mean, they went, they, they went all out in complaining. And then we hear a different report, though, from these two other guys. And that's where we jump into verse uh, uh, 30. Caleb says this. Then Caleb quieted the people uh, before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Wait, what? Did you guys go to, on the same mission trip, or, or is this a different mission trip that you went on? Caleb says, 
a very different, paints a very different scenario and a different response. The NIV, I love the NIV's translation, he silenced the people, Caleb did. It, it wasn't so much that he was trying to, that he silenced them because, because he was louder than them. We're, we're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands of people, like, think about it, you know, just like, just complaining and shouting, like, what are we doing? Like, what? Oh, no, this can't be happening. It wasn't, Caleb didn't silence them by, by being louder than them. It was by what he said that they were shocked. We are well able to overcome these giants and take possession of the land and the cities to which God had called us to. So you know the rest of the story, you know, Caleb's little pep talk and his inspirational speech rallies all the Israelites and they take the land. Is that what happened? Not quite. It was quite the opposite, actually. Um, <laughs> we, we see the, their response in chapter 14. If you just jump over one chapter, we're going to look at verse uh, 2 uh, and also verse 4. It says, all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the, and the whole assembly. I mean, grumbled. I mean, there's like, it almost like makes me think of that, that, that phrase, you know, let's get ready to rumble. You go, but it was a different kind of noise. They were complaining so loud. And then it says this in uh, verse 4. And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Oh, yeah, that ought to do it. Yeah. So God says, go and take possession of the land. And they go, let's go back. Let's go in the opposite direction of where God's calling us to. Now, Joshua and Caleb insisted in, their, in, what, they, in what they said earlier. Okay? They, when they further insisted, here's their response that they got from the Israelites. Verse 10. The whole assembly talked about stoning them to death. How's that for support? <laughs> They're saying, it's, it's, it's important for us to understand, okay? This, let's put it in perspective here, okay? You, see, the generation of Israelites, those warriors that, you know, th that, were, that, that, that were men that were used to fighting, they were kind of dying out, you know? The, 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 a new generation was rising, and these guys were not necessarily... You know, they hadn't really fought any major wars, and, and they weren't certainly equipped to face these kind of giants. And, and these giants, you know, Joshua and Caleb and, and these guys saw, they were, they were no small guys. I mean, we're not talking about your average six-foot-one six guy, okay? The Bible says that, you know, they were part of a, a different breed, if you will. In fact, Pastor Jeff talked about this. Uh, he taught about this uh, a few weeks ago, so I encourage you to go to gracebsl.org and listen to that message. Okay, a little plug there. But here, you know, we have to see what's happening here. I mean, th there's, there's, there's a different perspective that Caleb and Joshua are bringing in. They have a different reaction, very different from the other ten. So I think it's important for us to really kind of just unpack that a little bit. Because they, come, they bring in, there, there's two different perspectives here. Okay, 12 guys go, 10 kind of have a completely different response to what they saw than the other two. Here's the, pers the first perspective, okay, from the 12 spies that went. We are not able. We are simply not able. We read this in verse 31, chapter 13. We are not able to go up against the people. For they, why, why, why? For they are stronger than we. Right? Well, they're saying it's too much. They're going to they're gonna take, you know, take us down, right? But why, in reality, what's the root cause of why they were uh, feeling so strongly about this to say we're not able? We find the answer to that in Numbers 13, verse 33. We saw the Nephilim. Those are the giants. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. So here it is. Fear has set among the Israelites and these guys. They panicked. They were in disarray. They were like, we are in trouble here. These guys are huge and we are so little compared to them. You know, but th that's not just these guys that think like that, right? At some point or another, 
We too, we see ourselves in our own lives, we deal with the same circumstances or similar circumstances, and we have the tendency to look at things through our own eyes. We look at those giants in relation, and we look at us in relationship to those giants, and you go, we can't, we can't overcome this. We see the challenges before us, and we see ourselves and compare ourselves to those challenges. And we see ourselves as tiny, little grasshoppers in front of giants. You know, this was evidence in every single one of us that went on this trip to Costa Rica. If I could show you a picture of what we looked like before, it probably would look something like this, okay? Take a look at this picture uh, on the screen. So, not a, not a good picture of, you know, when you're bringing a, a team <laughs> to, uh, to the missions field, you know. But, but in reality, like, you know, the confidence that we had in many of our team members to one degree or another is like, oh, my gosh, what have I gotten myself into? And you'll hear some of their stories. It's, it's actually pretty cool to see what God did. But here's the thing. You know, you might relate to this. You know, you might... You know, it's, it's kind of scary to enter another culture and share the gospel. Hey, it's scary to share the gospel in our own culture. You might be facing that giant, right? Having the right perspective then is very important. So how you see yourself in relationship to those giants uh, that you face is important. And you have to have the right perspective, the right biblical perspective. How you see your giants, how you see those struggles, those, those challenges is also important. They have to line up with God's word. So, and how you react will also depend on how you see yourself, how you see them in comparison. So we learn from Joshua and Caleb to see it through our eyes. We could actually, we could be like the other 10. We could panic and be fearful, or we could learn a little something from Joshua and Caleb. And see it from their perspective. That's perspective number two, right? The first one was, we're not able. Here's the second one. We are well able. We see that in uh, Numbers 30. Excuse me, uh, 13 uh, verse 30. Let us go at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. I like the, the translation in the NIV. It says, we are certainly, certainly able to do it. Okay, we can certainly do it, it says. So why such confidence, Caleb and, and Joshua? Why, why did you see that the other ones didn't? I mean, I want to know. Well, don't you? Okay, the answer is given to us in Numbers 14, 9. Are you ready? Here it is, very simple. And the Lord, they said, is with us. Do not fear them. Do not fear those giants. Do not see yourself the way that they see you, for the Lord is with us. Joshua and Caleb's boldness rested on the understanding of the greatness of God. God did not, so those giants did not look any smaller to them than, than it did to the other ten. But they saw that God was greater. They rested on, not on the Israelites' ability to, to take on these giants, you know, certainly not on their own skill set to fight them. No, it was because they knew God was with them. And he would be the one defeating these giants. You see, why? Because in God's eyes, there were no giants at all. So that was their perspective. They were able to see through God's, God's eyes not through their own eyes. That was the main difference. So for that reason, it was so cool to see our Costa Rican trip kind of get that. It was like there was a lot of aha moments that happened during our pre-trip training and certainly during our trip. And it was so cool. The best way I could put it is give you another picture to illustrate it. Okay, hopefully, again, you can relate to this as well. So it's a little bit like that. Okay. Now that little cat doesn't look so big anymore, okay, compared to this big cat that's behind us, and that's who represented us. That's who was going before us. That's the picture that I want you to keep in your mind. In essence, Caleb and Joshua were looking at the same problem, the same obstacles, and the same giants as the other guys, but they said, through God's eyes, 
They were looking at themselves not as the tiny, puny little grasshoppers the, other, the others saw, but Joshua and Caleb saw themselves through the eyes of God. They were willing to face the giants. The giants didn't look any smaller to them. They weren't. But their faith allowed them to see that compared to God, they were nothing. Nothing. Isn't that what we see when we see our problems? Isn't that what we should see when we are faced of our problems and, and, and our trials and the giants that we face, whether, whether they are real or perceived? Sometimes the giant is a perception of our incredible imagination and sometimes of our incredible lack of faith. So Joshua and, men, and, and, and Caleb mentally prepared and spiritually prepared, and they fought their tendency to fear. How? By trusting in God's strength and protection and by trusting the fact that God, they knew that God was with them every step of the way. So we are called to do the same as believers in Jesus Christ, don't we? Aren't we? It says here in John 14, do not, this was Jesus himself, you know, encouraging us, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. See, see, God uses the giants in our lives to glorify himself. And that was the lesson that he was hoping that the Israelites would get. And it is for that reason that Paul says this in 8, uh, 30, Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say? And, and, and he's asking us, it's almost like a rhetorical question to you. What then, what then shall we say when we face the giants and the problems in our lives? Here's what we should say. If God is for us, then who could be against us, right? And, and, and we keep on going. I mean, there's so many scriptures that we could apply. In all, in, in all these things, we're not, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, Romans 8, 31. No weapon forged against us will ever prevail, Right? Isaiah 54. We sang it this morning, by the way. We sang, you know, uh, this is how we fight our battles, right? This is how we fight our battles. It may look like we're surrounded by giants, but really we have to look at the fact that we are surrounded by God himself. And if he is for us, who could be against us? Amen. <laughs> Nothing is impossible for God. No giant is too big. No matter how realistic or perceived the threat, God goes before us. He gives us a strength. He, gives, he shields us from every situation. He glorifies himself when he defeats them in spite of our weaknesses. Get this. I want you to pay attention to this because it is in our weakness. It is in the presence of our weakness, in the presence of our giants, that God demonstrates his greatness and his power that no one can boast. So... I want you to hear from the Costa Rica team. I'm going to invite them to come up in just a minute. Hold on, guys. Just give me one more minute. I want to share something. Over the years, I've had uh, the privilege of leading many mission trips out of this church. This one, um, it, was, it was kind of a joyful situation for me because my wife helped me lead it, which is great. And, you know, when you're putting this team together, like, you don't know what you're going to get. I mean, and, and you realize, like, God, what are you doing here? Like, you know, you're the one, you're the coach that's kind of just recruiting and, and and craft and, and drafting these guys, right? And thank God for that. Thank God he's the coach that drives the players, <laughs> that puts this team together. Because in my, in my flesh, I'll be like, okay, um, I want the best of the best. Okay, let me see. You know how to play really good. You're coming, you know. Uh, Pastor Jeff, sorry, you got to come. Uh, Pastor Violet, you, you're, you're recruited. So I'm going to put my, my, my elite team, okay? But not God. Nope. He has a different approach to everything, including this. Today, see... God intentionally chooses broken vessels. He intentionally uses and chooses, you know, uh, uh, weak, the weak vessels to, to carry his message and to, and to bring, the, you know, those of us that are imperfect into his perfect calling, into his perfect plan of redemption for his people. He chooses ordinary people, like you're going to see behind me in a, in a couple of minutes, to do extraordinary things. And that's you and me. Ordinary people through which God could achieve extraordinary things. We see this throughout the whole Bible. I mean, the whole Bible is full of examples to that. We saw that in, in today's example with, you know, uh, Joshua and, and Caleb. Uh, they had the right perspective. We see it with David and Goliath. You know, another, David, choose, God chooses David to go against Goliath. 
another giant, right? He uses a young man called Joseph to ensure the well-being and the, pres- the preservation of God's people in the future. He chooses Moses, a guy who stutters, and he goes in with a little wooden staff, you know, in front of Pharaoh and his powerful army of Egyptians to say, let my people go. I mean, what? And then there's Jesus choosing the 12 disciples who, let's face it, come on, they were not all-star game material, okay? And then he chooses us. God is still doing it today. He's still doing it today. He's just wanting you to say, come and see what I can do through you and in you. Come. And the call is out. So I'm going to ask the Costa Rica team finally, without further ado, come on up. In fact, uh, PK, I'm going to ask PK to come and, and join us as well. And I'll introduce all of them to you. Uh, This was such a cool team. We have so much fun together, Uh, not just because of personality, but just because of witnessing what God has done through each one of them and how God has grown them. Unfortunately, there's one team member who was not able to make it today. She's sick, Shalimar Perez. Uh, If you're watching, we, we pray that you get better really, really soon, okay? So we missed you, wish we were here, but O'Malley's going to be sharing her part of the testimony uh, this morning. Just uh, uh, very briefly, let me uh, introduce him. In fact, you know what? I'm going to join you guys. Yeah, there we go. Is that better? There we go. You got the whole picture now. (laughs) All right. So uh, starting to my far right, uh, a man that needs no introduction, <laughs> Esteban Mendez, uh, Dale, uh, next to him, Dale uh, Galeano, excuse me, Giliano, I always mispronounce it, Diana Rosario, okay, just kind of wave guys so that I can see you, uh, Belinda Lazarus, my lovely wife, Omali Gutierrez, I could not do it without her, uh, then to my left, Luke Ramjitsing, Rachel Morales, Brandy Estrillo, Silvia Olivos, and last but not least, PK. Now, let me clarify. He was not in Costa Rica with us, but he was simultaneously in another land facing other giants, okay, in Southeast Asia, uh, where he works with the Mariners, one of our two adopted people group. And he'll be sharing a little bit about that in a few minutes. So during this trip, we partnered with uh, a great organization called Operation Mobilization. Uh, their, their vision is to use Talamanca, the region where we were, as a training ground for other uh, believers throughout Costa Rica and Latin America, those that are feeling the, the kind of the call to go long term and work among the unreached uh, peoples of the world. So uh, we, we were privileged to be a part of that, which was really, really cool. So a couple of highlights from this team uh, that I think are noteworthy. Uh, it, it was a very diverse team representing many cultures in, in such a way that, you know, I felt like, you know, this is a kind of a li- little sampling of God's global church uh, in his, his spiritual family. There were people here representing uh, Canada, Trinidad, Puerto Rico, Peru, Cuba, the Dominican Republic, and of course the United States. It was really, really cool to see that. Uh, this was also uh, the first time for seven of uh, the team members. If you don't mind, go ahead and raise your hand where you are, uh, those of you who went on this trip. For, uh, this was your first missions trip. And also Shalimar, who was not here, uh, was also her first. It was also her first time flying, uh, which was interesting. So yeah, lots of firsts. <laughs> um, since we... There were so many first-timers. I figured, you know, I asked, I asked a couple of them to kind of share with us their experience of how God dealt with some of their struggles, some of those giants that they faced, even to make the decision to go on the trip. I mean, that, talk about wrestling, you know, like with yourself. And uh, again, Shalimar, unfortunately, is not here. So Omali is going to read what she wrote to this question. You know, what were some of the challenges that you were facing uh, to make this uh, decision to go? The day I went to the missions trip information meeting, I was entirely resistant to going to Talamanca in Costa Rica. I didn't appreciate the idea, and honestly, I said to myself this, they are not even unreached. They are already missionaries there. I don't need to go or want to. I went home, and my mom convinced me about it. I just wanted to go to Indonesia. I didn't want to go to Costa Rica and have a vacation. 
I thought it would feel more like a vacation and there would be no missions work. But as time went by, the Lord embraced my heart, hammered my heart of stone to flesh, and gave me an interest and love for the Kabakar and Bribri people. As I learned more at our team meetings, the Lord demonstrated how much work there was to be done in his field at this place, because Talamanca is scarcely domesticated spiritually. Also, our beloved team leader, right when we boarded the plane, sent us this message. Oh yeah, so now that the airplane doors are closed, I have one little detail I meant to mention. In Talamanca, there's no hot water in the showers. <laughs> Pura vida. And also, the threat of gloom that we may have to bathe in a river made it clear to me I wasn't going on vacation. We were entering the very labor of the Lord. I, in no way, would have gone unless the Lord humbled me and stilled my fears of going on vacation rather than serving him. For I cried to the Lord, let me serve you. So, and that wasn't all. Uh, uh, she also shared that there was another giant that was uh, rearing its, its ugly head uh, just before the trip, after she had finally decided, you know, no, God wants me there. Uh, th there was something else that she was struggling with uh, right before the trip. A week before the trip, I thought I was nuts. I asked myself, what am I doing? How can I serve the Lord? What will I say? What in the world am I doing going to a remote area to share the gospel? I doubted my calling. I even doubted my salvation during that time. <laughs> I looked up to him and said softly, you're nuts. And I just then gave it in to him. For the Lord prepared my heart and he made me understand that he was sovereign regardless of what I do or say, he will accomplish his will. And I believed this promise. He would be glorified to the ends of the earth regardless of me or anything else. Yet there still stirred in me fears of whether he would use me for his glory or not. Luke, um, you also had similar uh, struggles uh, and experience and even deciding to go on this trip. You want to tell us about it? When, when Pastor Ken announced the 2023 missions interest meeting, Personally, going seemed idealistic and even out of touch. I knew that God called us to spread the gospel, but I felt inadequate, and selfishly so, as if I wasn't in the position to go. Being a part of a trip would be too financially straining, time-consuming, time and inconveniencing to me. Going wasn't an option in my mind, and then after church that day, my parents asked me what I thought about going. Reluctant, reluctantly, I attended the meeting. I found out there that I wouldn't be able to take the time off my first semester at university to go to Southeast Asia, but there was a trip to Costa Rica at the start of summer, and it fit seamlessly into my schedule. I tried to use this fitting into my schedule as an excuse not to go, perceiving it as shrewdness, and struggled with the commitment to time again. I saw this step of faith out of my own control and into God's control, as a burden instead of serving him. Still unsure of the practicality, but inexplicably interested in attending, I responded to a follow-up email to interview for the trip. Sunday came, the interview happened, and I left knowing I had to go on this trip. So we finally made it. We arrived in Costa Rica, um, despite, and again, these are just two, two people that could tell you their struggles, but everybody here, you know, one way or another, it's like, ah, um, so we, ma we made it, uh, as you heard Luke and Shalimar mention, uh, we worked among uh, two indigenous people groups, you know, the, the Bribri and the Kabakar, uh, and uh, Diana uh, is going to share with you a little bit more detail about those groups and how we minister to them. Uh, good morning, church. Um, upon arriving to Costa Rica, we were met by the very next day, we traveled seven hours to the region. We visited two in the group, the Kabakar and the Bribri. They both had their own language and they both spoke Spanish. The Kabakars are more isolated and more attached to their culture than the Bribri. We made home visits to both tribes and were able to share Christ through sharing God's word, 
sharing testimony. We did practical work, meeting needs through acts of service. We pray for family. We fellowship with the families. And we even had our own musician and did a little praise and worship whenever possible. <laughs> we held a youth service where 24 local youth came and heard God's word and got ministered to. We also did prayer walks around the capital in San Jose and in Talamanca. Us ladies held a special gathering in the Bribe community where we ministered, we were able to minister to them through a message delivered by Omali, prayed and fellowshiped, and we saw God glorified. Amen. Both of these tribes Diana mentioned are spiritually trapped, uh, like you wouldn't believe, in witchcraft, uh, lots of shame um, in their culture, drug addiction, alcohol addiction. Uh, the team brought biblical truths in various ways, as you heard, which was awesome to see how God uh, operated uh, through them uh, and in the people of Salamanca. We also saw uh, various ways, in various ways how the Lord uh, not only protected us and provided and cared for us, but really the Holy Spirit gave us the words to speak at just the right time. Uh, just like it says in Luke 12:12, uh, 12, 12, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at, the, at that time what you should say. And we saw evidence of that. In fact, uh, Dale is going to share a couple of stories about that. Good morning. Am I on? Yay. Uh, well, the team excelled uh, through every challenge, giving each other support, understanding, and space with the Lord had planned for us individually. The Holy Spirit from the moment we all started getting into this. We all had a narrow miss on our first day on our way to Talamanca. The heated brakes failed. A little scary. Um, in a blink of an eye and a swerve into oncoming traffic, um, the van finally settled up on the wrong side of the road, missing everything. To our surprise, uh, across the street was a mechanic that we all wanted. and. Uh, also, the next best thing was they had a bathroom, they had a bakery, coffee, and a fruit stand. It was all within a, a matter of a, across the street, so it was wonderful. Everyone, I mean, everyone was calm. There was no upset. There was no turmoil. There was no anxiety. All we knew is that we were under God's protection and his care of this mission and individually. We were all armored up with the Lord. As a team, we soldiered up and supported every task and venture. Personally, I seem to be called by the Holy Spirit to speak to women recently widowed and who needed emotional strength and support and understanding. In prayers and word, the Holy Spirit came to me in message. My words flowed easily and strong with everything that the Lord's counsel and direction. It was magnificent. Mm. So good. Uh, Belinda, this was also your first mission trip, and uh, in your testimony you mentioned how you had a, there was a moment there you, where you, more than a moment really, where you experienced God's greatness and that really touched you. Uh, uh, you want to share about that? Sure. Good morning, church family. So when I thought each day of my mission trip could not, could not get any better than the day before, I was always proven wrong. My very first home visit in the Bribri region gave me the opportunity to serve in a simple way but with profound results. I swept the wooden floors of Donna Brajita's open kitchen, a task that was so simple and easy but with a servant heart was so much more impactful. The members of my team that I went with all participated in helping to complete a particular chore for Donna Brigida because she was unable to due to a hand injury. Towards the end of our visit, her husband, who was not a believer and a rather aloof person, was smiling. He was telling stories and eventually prayed with us. Rachel will tell you more about it. Good morning. Throughout the entire mission trip to our Grace family, team exhibited the trait that Jesus spoke of 
when referring to himself in Matthew 20, 28, which says, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. Whether we were serving one another or our host missionaries or pastors, we made sure we walked as one team with one purpose for the glory of God. In this visit to Doña Brigida, Don Julio, who typically stays away from missionaries and is reserved, saw and felt our hearts to serve his family. Shortly after we arrived, he made his appearance in his front porch with his machete in hand. <laughs> he was moving it casually. You can tell this was a tool he was very comfortable with. We all, at different points, smiled at him and thanked him for allowing us to come to his home. We shared the love of Christ through serving them and meeting their needs as they were both advanced in their years. We asked him for his opinion and his approval of our work, and he drew nearer to us. Some of us were sweeping, some were digging ditches, some were moving planters to another area of the property, and some who helped, Do and some who helped Doña Brigida with her hand injury. All of us were being used in our capacity to serve and share God's love. Don Julio eventually dropped his machete, <laughs> observed our work, and drew nearer to us. Suddenly, his attitude towards us changed completely, and he spoke with us and laughed with us and broke bread, or in this case, coconuts. <laughs> and before we left, he joined us in our prayer and thanked us. He witnessed the love of Christ, a servant's heart, in action. Mm. A door of trust was opened, and a seed of love was planted. At another home visit to the home of Senora Florabel, I was completely in awe of the magnificence and the greatness of God. Her home sat on top of a hill with, a mountain, with mountain views that just took my breath away. As our team worshiped in song to How Great Is Our God, tears filled my eyes because my personal devotion scripture that morning was Psalms 90, verse 2. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Mm -hmm. Senora Florabel prayed the prayer of salvation after Shally had administered a beautiful message about the Philippian jailer and how his whole household was saved after Paul and Silas preached to them about salvation. In conclusion, God did exceedingly abundantly more than I could hope for or dream. Before this missions trip, I was exhausted physically and spiritually, but God chose to use me in spite of. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God, not from us, 2 Corinthians 4, 17. 2 Corinthians 7, 4, 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. This scripture comes to my heart as I consider my first ever missions trip. This scripture was not only for the people of Costa Rica, but for me. My heart and my mind were open to the will of God for this trip and to humbly serve him however he saw fit and that he did. My life will never be the same and the people of Talamanca will always be in my hearts and prayers. Mm. Amen. <clears throat> A few minutes ago I, m I mentioned how God chooses uh, those of us that are weak vessels, right? Uh, to just uh, show how powerful he is. Um, you know, there was one time when um, we were invited to come to that house uh, that Belinda says, and th that family is a, is a Catholic family that is uh, kind of just receptive, uh, but we didn't, you know, weren't sure if they were saved. Uh, we were told that they, probably they were not saved, but they were willing to receive us. And the day before we went, uh, so it was kind of a big deal. In fact, you know, instead of splitting the team, which we normally would do, we decided to go entirely as a whole team, and the, along with the uh, 
the OM team as well. So there's going to be a big visit. And um, uh, I was asked, you know, so who's going to share God's word during this visit? And I'm like, hmm, I hadn't thought about it. Hold on, you know, because every, every team member had prepared something. So I start, remember that I told you, like, I start looking like, okay, who's my A-team? Who's my A-team? <laughs> um, let's see. Like, oh, no, uh, Rachel already, you know, she, she shared this morning with the, with the group. So I started kind of in my mind going, who's going to share? And God goes, Shalimar. I want Shalimar. And um, it, rem- it reminded me of uh, the story of David and Goliath. Like, really? You're going to choose <laughs> tiny little Shalimar, tiny little David, you know, to go against a potentially, you know, such a large crowd. Like, she's going to freak out. She's going to share her story, and Molly's going to read it um, and how inadequate she felt, but you'll see the end result. As you can see, before this mission strip, I felt weak and inadequate. And the Lord never said I was not weak and inadequate. Rather, this trip affirmed my weakness, and he humbled me to rely on him, on even for the water I drank. Rather, the very weakness of God was magnified, which is greater than the strength of Samson. In this place, the Lord used basic things, unloved things, unknown things, and weak things unto his glory. I met a young lady named Sofia. She was the eldest daughter of Doña Florabel, a Cavacar home we visited. I was terrified because I had to present a five-minute Bible study. I was shaking and my heart was pounding. Although I was sharing with a small family with five children, Sofia having just turned 15, Sofia's mom, her aunt, and her grandma, grandfather, I started speaking. But the Bible study I wrote three times I threw out the window. It was too much anyway. My words were frail and weak, nothing I said specifically beautiful or spectacular. But Sophia, in the end, she gave me a sketch meant to be the centerpiece of a submission to an arts contest. A missionary who was there with us told me it was a custom of hers to give a sketch to those who preached. She did it out of gratitude, and although our interactions were probably no more than 10 minutes in total, she treated me like a friend and sister. The plan was to bring church to their house, and the Lord established his bride in this little wooden cabin in the midst of an ailing old man and laughing children. It was as if that home in the middle of nowhere amongst unknown faces, the Lord was declaring, behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron running down on the collar of his robes. Psalm 133, 1 and 2. Shortly after she shared, we made a call of salvation and the lady, the owner of the house and her children uh, came to Christ. So that is good. I'm going to echo what she said, uh, something so good. The very weakness of God was magnified, which is greater than the strength of Samson. It reminded me of what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12.10. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in, the per- in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. To God be the glory. Look, um, you're... You had a part uh, on your testimony where God speaks of just how perfect his timing is and how he prepared many scriptures even long before this trip uh, and for you to use them at just a, uh, at the right time with certain people, kind of divine appointments type of things. You want to share briefly about that? God's perfect timing and planning was unignorable on this trip. Preparing to leave for university, I had been reading about wisdom and knowledge. God put scripture in my heart months before I knew this trip was even happening, and I was able to share in home visits and conversations. On the trip, I also kept a small notebook on my person that I wrote down a few scriptures in my quiet time. I was able to share every verse in my notebook, some verses multiple times to address specific needs of people we met. On our last night in the Brewery area, we met Minor, a man who lived right next to the church. He struggled with his justification in the Lord, fearing facing the judgment of the church, returning from backsliding, he was suffering in shame. 
I wrote down a scripture while we were ministering to the Cabocar people, and every time I opened my notebook, I wasn't sure why I wrote it down. But after meeting this man, I saw that the Lord was reserving it just for him. It was Genesis 15, 6. Abraham believed the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness. I was also reminded of John 3, 17. For God sent not his son into the world to contend to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. At the end of our conversation with Minor, we prayed for him, and he cried during that prayer, but still struggled to see himself through God's eyes. Please pray for him. So, last testimony we're going to hear is from Diana, and let me tell you something about this woman. <laughs> uh, that picture that I showed of the little mouse and the cat, okay, and eventually the lion, Okay, that was a little mouse, and eventually she became a lion in the way that she was sharing God's word and her testimony. I, I was so impressed by you on that, so go ahead. Coming into this trip, my desire was to grow into a deeper relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to plant seed in non-believers, and to uplift and encourage followers of Christ. I knew that it didn't have to be groundbreaking in order to be successful and effective the Holy Spirit will work in their hearts. So much occurred in such a short period of time, even before we left Costa Rica, God was already working, long ago in the hearts of the people of Costa Rica and in us as well. I met a gentleman from the Capricorn tribe whose name is Kike. He shared his testimony. He was Catholic before coming to Christ. He had been a believer for about eight years. And in 2015, um, his wife abandoned him with three girls. Um, he didn't know how to read or to write, but he was so eager to learn, he asked his girls to help him out. And he learned to read by reading the Bible. I was led by the Holy Spirit to share my testimony because I related to him since I was also raised Catholic. The very next day, he came to the old M base to speak to the direct director, but instead he met me. And we spoke for like a good half hour to 35 minutes. I, I don't know how long, but um, we talk about God's grace, faithfulness, mercy, his love. Then he left. I can tell he came looking for conversation. You can feel his hunger for God's word, his excitement, seeing God move within, within him and within his tribe. These people are so isolated. They need encouragement from the community, from the church, and from people and fellow believers like you and me. I ha if you have ever considered going on a mission trip, do it. Don't think about it. Step out in faith and see God move in the midst of it all. I had so many doubts going in. I felt inadequate, not ready, so many questions. But God, he showed up every single time in so many different ways. So hard to describe with the, all the different emotions and beautiful experiences and the bonds we form. From tears to laughter with our team, OM, and the people of Costa Rica we came in contact with, I have grown, in, grown deeper in my love and relationship with Christ, and I am certain that he will continue to move in Costa Rica. The, the Great Commission is not an option to be followed. It is a command to be obeyed. So step Amen. out in faith. Amen. Well, I couldn't have said that any better myself. That was beautiful, Diana. As far as the missions director trying to encourage people to go on mission, I want to thank all of you for just bringing us into your trip a little bit there. That was wonderful. I was even getting updates along the way. I knew some of these things had transpired, but... Uh, to hear that and to bring us into that was, was wonderful. So thank you so much. Can we give them one more round of applause? <laughs> as they step down. And also I want to let you know, um, as we're closing the service here, they're going to be out in the, uh, we call it the Global Life Corner. It's just past the Global Life yes. Cafe. Yes. And several folks who didn't get a chance to hear from, honestly, all of them probably have 10 more stories that they could share. And uh, I just want to encourage us to, again, be a part of welcoming them back. Uh, say hello to them over there. If anything, say thanks. Thanks for going in my stead because I like my hot showers. <laughs> um, 
but that's going to be back there. In fact, they brought us some Costa Rican coffee back from the trip, so we're going to have some free coffee out there. We also have some cookies. Those did not come from Costa Rica. They'd be a little bit old. Um, those are fresh baked. They're, we want you to enjoy those as well. One reason I was up there, and, and Leo mentioned it, is because I was also out um, on missions, if you will, in Southeast Asia. And I just want to give you a very quick update about that. And uh, number one, you know, one of the reasons I was over there is we're preparing for this trip for folks coming over from Grace Family Church to Southeast Asia. It's going to be in the late fall. And uh, in that preparation, um, you know, what we do when we bring a team from Grace Family Church is we actually teach in the local high schools there. We bring them in as native English speakers, and then we, we, we arrange with several high schools that our team will be coming, and then they welcome us. And just to give you a little taste of what that looks like, take a look at this. So that's a little bit of what it looks like. You can see it's a, it, it is a ton of fun. Um, and I don't know if you noticed, if you were listening to the words of that song. I made that video over three years ago. The title of that song is Every Giant Will Fall. <laughs> anyway, um, speaking of giants, uh, as far as that, you know, bringing, coming into this trip, um, one of the big hang-ups about this trip and why some people who were generally were interested in this trip before we you know, when we made the announcement several months ago, was that the country of origin, where we're going and where we do this, they had not yet released um, or, or let go of the mandate that says you have to be vaccinated in order to enter the country as a tourist or a foreigner. And um, that's not, that isn't anything that we would have promoted, and that prevented a lot of people from going. One of the greatest bits of news that I got on this last trip is that country just dropped the vax mandate and so for those of you if that was a closed door thanks answer to prayer now that is a wide open door so if you were at that meeting and you were a little uh, you know you wanted to go on that trip but that was one of the things that's stopping you don't let that stop you now um, so that's that's one thing about that and so that's also we want to mention that trip again there's still time to be a part of that trip we only have a few folks that are signed up for that currently I want you to know that signups are available you know we're ready to do that again you can go online to do that, or you can see me immediately after service. I'll be with the Costa Rica team, enjoying Costa Rican coffee, eating some cookies. And if you have any interest in learning a little bit more about that trip, um, come see me personally. I'd love to share, you, share a little bit more about that. As we close this time this morning, I just want to bring us back to the cornerstone scripture that, it, that is global life, that is missions, and that is the Great Commission. And that's in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And though there's a lot more I want to say, I feel, like, I feel like so much of it was set up here, you know. And the one thing that kept coming up with these folks was the fear, and then the fear, and then the fear, and then the what about, and the fear. And it was all about fear. One of the challenges for a team coming home, and I've seen this for 20 years, is now that I'm off mission, I just did my two weeks in, in Ghana or my two weeks in India, how do I keep doing this? And you just keep doing it. I mean, we're, 
on mission in this life. That's what's been given to us. That is what the Great Commission is all about. And here it is. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Just three things I want to point out in this because there's actually three verses in this and if you kind of unpack this if you look at the first verse 18 there's a promise there and then we see the task and what an enormous task if I could be so bold say a giant task you know when it says go and make disciples of the nations the nations and the earth right now about 16,000 spread out all over the planet that's a pretty big job and then it says to baptize them And when we think of baptism specifically in our context in Southeast Asia, that's like the switch. When you come public with, I believe in Jesus, that's the switch that goes off that invites persecution, persecution from your family, from your community, and in some cases over there, your government. And teach them to obey everything that I have commanded. Personally, I don't know that I obey everything that he's commanded. I don't know that I could do that huge list and then on top of that it's one thing to share knowledge like I'm doing right now or just simply to teach but to teach them to obey to teach them to live it out to act it out to grow in that it's an enormous task daunting but let's take a look at that first promise these two bookend promises verse 18 and verse 20 in verse 18 it says then then Jesus came to them and said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me has been given to me in the past tense it's not like this is going to happen one day when i come back i'll have all authority it's already happened he has all authority no one else has the authority no other entity no other anything on planet earth or in all of the universe has the authority that jesus has and that's why he prefaces this major command this major thing for the church to do until he comes back so that we would know that he has all authority you know, I just think about this scripturally. He has authority um, to send the Holy Spirit. And we see that in Acts 1.8. He has the authority to turn his enemies to him. We see that in Acts 9 with Saul. He has the authority to open um, hearts. We see that in Lydia in Acts 16. He has the authority to open blind eyes. We see that in, in Luke chapter 24 on the road to Emmaus when all of a sudden the guys go, I know who that was. That was Jesus. He opened their eyes. And we certainly know that he has the authority to build his church. We see that in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And that's what this whole Great Commission is all about. This is the sovereign work of God the Father by the command of God the Son and through the power of the Holy Spirit. That is the Great Commission. Now who is the tiny little grasshoppers? It's all those giants. You know, it's all these things that we so fear and we're so concerned about. And things like, think of something as large as, as Islam and how that has such a large segment and, and portion of the population. But that's no giant compared to our, the power of, our, of God Almighty. Amen? And so we, we consider that and, and let that encourage us. That's why that promise was there. Here's the second side of that. The back side of that promise. In verse 20, it says, Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age and Jesus is saying there will never be one second that I am not with you though they might reject you I am with you though they might persecute you they might imprison you I am with you and on the flip side of that even though they might they will believe and they'll be baptized I'm with you in that as well I will never leave you I will never forsake you that is a promise he has for us as his church for us as we go on mission whether it's for two weeks or really our mission here right now in this place our Jerusalem he is with us and and Leo referred to this and I want to finish with this you know I think it's so fitting because um, we were reminded of that this was said back in numbers and and Moses said it to encourage the people because they were so scared in numbers 14 9 he says the Lord is with us do not be afraid so let that be our mantra as well as we go out as we're on mission do not be afraid the Lord is with us amen and I I want to just give us four quick ways that we can do this we can go out and do this right now we can be on mission and we can begin to share um, the gospel with others or share Christ with others 
very quick. You heard them, they did all of these, and this is also what we do over in Southeast Asia. Number one, share your story. If you're born again, it's, it's three parts. Here's who I was before Christ, here's how I met Christ, and here's who I am after Christ. You can do that in a minute. You can do that in 60 seconds. And if you know that and already have that and, and, and share that concisely, people are interested in that. That is the most unique and sometimes the most powerful witnessing tool that any of us have as believers because no testimony is the same. No two testimonies are the same. Number two, learn how to share the gospel. If you don't already have a method that you use or a direction that you go, talk to those folks afterwards. They learned something called the three circles method. Uh, that's what they used over there. If you want more information on things like that, I encourage you, email me at ken at gracepsl.org, and I can uh, connect you to some resources that can uh, maybe give you more confidence in, in presenting the gospel in a concise but, but effective way. Number three, display the love of Jesus by meeting a simple need. You heard they did some of that on this trip. Look around you. You know, my wife was just telling me the other day something that happened at a gas station, and she's going through this story. It just made me think, you know, there was a need, and nobody else wanted to touch that. But, but the Lord moved her to do that, and, and what a difference that made. Um, and then lastly, pray for someone. You know, one thing that we do when we're out there, we're, we're always praying. We're always looking for opportunities, even if it's just in conversation. You shared this with me, and I heard this about this concern you have for your daughter. Can we just pray about that? And you pray with them, and that opens the door and begins a conversation. Last thing, I read a statistic. This is done in 2021. They surveyed 2,000 unchurched people, and 47%, that's almost 50%, said that they would be open to engage someone about discussing spiritual things in their life. They would be open to that. That's one and two. So what are we afraid of, and who are we afraid of? Because Jesus has authority, and he is with us. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity to just go on mission this morning to see what you're doing from just regular folks, just regular folks like us, using us to bring your gospel, bring that liberating message, to set the captives free, to heal the sick. Well, thank you that you would just, you would use us, broken vessels, to be a part of your world rescue mission, Lord God. And so, Lord, I pray that, that we would not just enjoy the, the stories from the field, but, Lord, that we would go out as a church into the field, and not just to the far-flung areas like Southeast Asia or Central Asia, but, Lord, right into our field, to our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends, those unsaved family members, that we would go out into the fields beginning today, that we would not be afraid that we'd have confidence that you are with us, and Lord, we pray that you would use us to bring others to you, that you would grow your church so that you would be glorified. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen? Don't forget, please say hello to the folks out there in the Global Life Corner also. Um, if there's some other giants we didn't talk about today that you're facing, you want to uh, pray with someone, our prayer counselors will be up front and pray that, and we will see you next Sunday.